Welcome to More Than A Few Words, a marketing conversation for small business owners. MTFW is a production of Roundpeg, where we help small businesses become big businesses. This is Lorraine Ball. And this is Allison Carter, suffering from writer's block. Oh, please. <laughs> okay. Oh, please. You don't have writer's block. Well, I, I would argue that writer's block doesn't exist. Wow. Um, okay, I'm not no. sure. writer's constipation. <laughs> the ideas are there, they just won't come. They just won't come exactly the way you need them. Um, which leads us to today's conversation. Um, and it's not on healthy nutrition and fiber, but it is on blogging and finding content. Because that's, for some of us, where do you find ideas? Where do you find source material? Because you've got to feed the blog beast. The blog beast is hungry, ravenous, and very, very greedy. It is. So, as you work with clients, and because you do this on a regular basis, mm -hmm. coaching them in writing, not just writing for them, mm -hmm. where do you tell them to look for their content? The very first and the very best source of content is questions. Questions? those questions your customers are always asking you. There's a couple which, you know, in sales calls always seem to come up. Not how much do you cost, but the basic things. Why do I need to do this? What is this? How do I maintain this? How those FAQs are gold mine. Absolutely. And one of the things I I realize is you you say the answers, you answer them on the telephone. But you also email customers those answers. Absolutely. How many times do you sit down to answer a customer question and then find out that you've written a short novel to them in response? All that you've got to do is grab that content, rejigger it a little bit, slap on intro and conclusion, and you've got a blog post. So if you've got a sales team, mm -hmm. why not ask every one of them, mm -hmm. what, what was the, the best question you answered today? Mm -hmm. The other thing I like to ask is, what is the turning point that makes customers, makes their eyes light up and make them say, yes, we're going to buy from you? Because once you know what that is, you can craft content around those ideas. And you're not selling in these. You're simply giving the information freely that's going to make someone feel comfortable enough to make that call. You know, ultimately, people buy from you because they have a certain level of confidence mm -hmm. that you know something yes. they don't know. And so beyond just the FAQs, what other kinds of content do you like to share that kind of help build that subject matter authority? Well, I think that there is actually a time and a place for writing over your customers' heads. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I'm, I'm not saying this to sound snobby or elitist, that just happens naturally. <laughs> but I think that it's very important. You want to show a customer you could do this. In theory, here are all of the tools that you need to do this. For instance, I could go and get all of the tools that I need to change the oil on my car. But it is such a massive pain, and I am so sure that I could break something, that even if someone gave me a toolkit with the ratchet in the oil pan, I don't even know, and told me step by step how to fix it, I would say, this is too much trouble, can I give you $30, will you please do it for me? That's what you're doing. Absolutely, absolutely. But I also, um, 
and, and I think those kind of how-tos, those are great posts, and we get really good response um, from the how-tos and even people downloading some of our white papers, again, on the how-tos, and then those same people call us and say, okay, mm-hmm. I've read it, now do it for me. Mm-hmm. But I think there's also a way to develop a, this personality of subject matter expertise mm-hmm. just by sharing trends and, and you know leading Here's what's hot in this business, and particularly oh, yeah. our fashion customers. Uh, fa- and fashion is a very broad industry, broader than you think. That encompasses home decor, that encompasses cars, that encompasses even food and recipes is, is subject to trends and, and, and uh, packaged product goods. So if you're in something that's swayed by personal taste, everyone wants to see and make sure that their tastes line up with everybody else's. That's a huge concern. So what you want to be doing is you want to be looking at your uh, industry publications. You want to be looking at your sales sheets. What is, are you suddenly seeing a big spike in one particular color being sold in clothes or one particular uh, brand in your line or something like that? What dots can you connect and how can you project that to the future and kind of get people to jump on a bandwagon? And people really... They like to be, they want to be leading edge, but not bleeding edge. Exactly. They want, they want to select a floor color that someone says, you know what, this is the hot new trend, mm-hmm. but it's already been vetted mm-hmm. by half a dozen other people. They want the second generation iPhone. Yes. Yeah. They want someone else to work out all the kinks first, but they still want to have it before all their friends. And so that's where some of those fashion mm-hmm. and trend posts really help attract just that customer who's ready to buy, who kind of wants to be a little ahead of their peers, but not not on the leading edge where they're investigating it for themselves. Absolutely. Another great thing to do, you know, we mentioned reading your trade publications. There is a lot of value in being what we call a content curator. And what a content curator is, is there's someone who goes out and finds the best information in their industry, the best articles, the best links, the best subject matter authorities, and puts them all together in one easy-to-read place with some commentary of their own. And I think that's the thing that that really separates a good content Mm -hmm. curator from um, something that's nothing more than just a list. it's not just enough to tell me these are five blog posts I should read. Mm-hmm. Tell me why. Tell tell you why, and also you know it's kind of when you go to sell something at auction, it's always worth more if you have a collection. Books are not a collection. French cookbooks from the eighteen hundreds are a collection. So you need to be specific. You don't want to do five great reads on inbound marketing. Do it on five great reads on your download strategy. Do it on five great ways to make the most of Pinterest for fashion businesses. Don't be afraid to get really specific with it and feed a niche. And there are going to be fewer people that will be interested in that niche but the people that are searching for that are going to love you. Absolutely. It's, it's that whole long tail idea. It is way easier to dominate in the tail, mm-hmm. to be the only person that's talking about that, so the five people who are interested in it find you and to buy from you. Absolutely. There's no glory in getting tons of people who aren't interested in what you do. Because then 
yeah, I can find other things to do with my blog, or other things to do with my time rather than blog, yeah. if it's just attracting people who are looking and leaving. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so, FAQs, industry trends. Um, I think one of the other nice things about a well-written blog is it gives you a little bit of insight every now and then into the company. Yeah, I think that you want to be careful with this. You don't want to go overboard. You don't want to lapse into overt sales mode. But what you do want to do is give people the feeling that they know you. Mm -hmm. You don't want to become too introspective. That can't be all about you. But if you can throw in a story about what you're doing at the office, or if you do have something significant going on, most people don't care about your anniversary, you know, your 10 year, 20 year, 50 year anniversary. Uh, you know, it's nice to throw something in, but how can you add value to that? Just always look at, it shouldn't be purely about you, it should be about giving value to the customer. I do think that, and again, different businesses, um, if you're in a home service business and you've got 25 mm -hmm. service technicians, um, using the blog to introduce them actually in that industry I think adds value because these are strangers coming into my home. I'm not sure that I think that's as important in a blog. I think that's a great thing to send in an email before that person shows up on your door. But if you've got 25 employees, my chances of finding any one of them. So I don't think that's something that's really as much of value on the blog or for search engine or that kind of thing. I think that's more of a customer service issue. Okay, I, I will go with that. Um, I think without... Um, pounding your chest, I think there are times that you can share events and information if your company has won an award, if you're involved in a community project. Again, as much as you can make it about the customer, the better. I think so. Um, but well, again, a good example would be there was a dry cleaner that did a project where if you, if you were looking for a job, um, and you brought in work clothes, mm -hmm. a suit or slacks and a shirt, they would dry clean it for free if you brought in a resume. And the, the resumes went to an employment company. So it was a weird combination of a dry cleaner and an employment company working together. This information was on both their blogs, and I thought that that was an interesting... That, that is different from how most businesses perform community service. Mm -hmm. For instance, there's a local PR company who every year gives away 20 hours of PR advice to a company, to a, a not-for-profit who submits their information. That is a public service. That's something that people need to know. If it's like, great, you know, our organization went and we volunteered at the food pantry, that's really awesome. I'm really glad that you did that. That's showing a lot of community responsibility. Throw up a post on your Facebook page. You don't need a whole blog post about that because there's nothing for the, the community to respond to. They can't submit. They can't refer a friend. There's nothing that they can act on that information about. Okay, so that's a, that's a good um, sort of dividing point is that the blog post really needs to have that takeaway so that the reader can do something, use the information, apply the information, respond or interact, versus just flipping through and reading a, like it would be a brochure or a newspaper. Right. Your ultimate goal is to get people motivated to act, not merely to consume. If that's what you want to do, throw it up on your Facebook page. You'll get lots of little likes because it's feel good. Um, but 
A blog is something that's going to have legs. Something that's going to be out there a longer period of time. Is it going to have a value for a longer period of time? And that I kind of takes to that subject of looking at content afterlife. And I think that there are sort of different timelines. Certain blogs are immediate action, things that are very hot now, trends that are very hot now that you're responding to. Two years from now, a blog post about the hot fashion color in 2013 may not be relevant. Mm -hmm. Other blog posts, I think, have a longer lifespan because they are not sort of as, they may not be as time-based appropriate today, but they kind of have that longevity. Mm -hmm. um, but how do you extend the life of your blog post after you've written it? Well, assuming that it's not something that's a flash in the pan, that it's not, you know, it's not, you're not sending out something about fashion trends in 2013 when it's 2014, um, one great way is to bring them up on social media. Um, if it's great information on something that's not going to change a whole lot, blogging basics or how to do something that's very simple, baseline information, people are always going to be rediscovering that and needing to know it from a beginner perspective. Don't be afraid to bring it up, but do check and make sure that the information is not out of date, links aren't broken, that kind of thing. But yeah, absolutely do blast from the past on your social networks. That can be very helpful. Um, email. Email is another great way to extend the life of content because most people don't come to your website every day. Most people maybe drop by every now and then if something looks interesting or maybe it slips their mind until they get an email in their inbox showing you the best content that they've been missing. And it's the numbers are dramatic. Um, you know, while you put a lot of emphasis on the blog posts, on a daily basis, if you've got any kind of an email list, odds are about not even 1% of your entire customer base came to your blog today. And so if you're blogging for business, even if you're only blogging several times a week, there are a lot of people that are interested in what you do that want to keep up with you that may have missed several really good posts. Absolutely. So, closing thoughts for creating content. One thing that I find really useful that other people might be too, do it in batches. When you do it kind of piecemeal, whatever the inspiration strikes you, if you wait for inspiration to strike, you're never going to write a dang word. Sit down, make a list of topics you're going to write about, knock those out, and then be done with it for a month. That um, is really an interesting approach. Uh, I did that this past weekend. Mm -hmm. I knocked out three blog posts, and they are kind of unrelated, but I was sort of in the zone. Mm -hmm. And now I've got three weeks off, and I'm okay with that. Absolutely. Whatever works for you. Awesome. If you have enjoyed today's conversation, if you find some of our tips on blogging helpful, be sure to check out our website at roundpeg.biz. Look for specifically posts on bloggings and links to some of our white papers on the topics as well. This has been another episode of More Than a Few Words. Thanks for listening.